Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and simulcast, of course, on ESPN+. Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and all guests appear via the Shell Penzo Performance Line. You're probably sitting there saying to yourself, Greeny, I think, might be on vacation. So who the heck am I hearing from right now? The answer is I am Field Yates, joined by ESPN's Joe Fortenbot. Hang out with you for the duration of Greeny. Joe, what's going on, my man? My man, Field. We were going through as detailed a rundown meeting as I've ever had in my life. You're focused I today, do not huh? think three and a half hours is going to be enough for all the stuff we want to talk about. We've got plenty to get into. Certainly no shortage of topics around sports right now. Obviously, basketball season underway. Hockey around the corner. Baseball in the midst of its prolonged offseason. I've never quite understood the cadence of the MLB's offseason. But most importantly, we have the NFL just one week away from the start of the postseason and college football The most important games are just days away. But we start with the game last night as the Buffalo Bills, the AFC East champion Buffalo Bills, go to Gillette Stadium and just trounce the Patriots 38-9 on Monday Night Football, national TV audience. The Patriots had already been eliminated from playoff contention last uh, before last night, Joe, but this felt to me like a different kind of statement win for the Buffalo Bills. The statement was not really to the Patriots, right? The Patriots, 6-8 and eight entering the game. They were playing for nothing more than pride. Last night felt to me like a statement from the Buffalo Bills to every other team in the NFL, and specifically the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Make no mistake about it. This Buffalo Bills team is an absolute freight train right now. And I've spent the better part of the morning trying to find the weakness, trying to find the spot where I can say this is why they will come up short in the playoffs. And field, I can't. They've won five straight games by an average of 18 points per game. The only thing preventing them from a nine-game winning streak is the Hale Murray in Arizona six weeks ago. Each of their last six wins has come by double digits. On offense, they're fourth in yards per play. They're sixth in scoring. On defense, they're 11th in opponent yards per play, 13th in scoring defense. Where's the weakness when it comes to the Buffalo Bills? Because outside of what we would want to reference from last year, five years ago, 10 years ago, if we're only focused on 2020, this team is right near the top of the mountain alongside Kansas City and Green Bay. I'm not saying they're better than Kansas City or Green Bay. I'm saying they're right there with them. Well, Joe, one of the nice parts about being into Week 16, and now Week 17 of the NFL season, is it doesn't matter who we say is better any longer, right? Because we're going to decide it on the field. This is not October where I'm sitting there making the case that Kansas City is going to maybe, you know, potentially go 15 and 1 or 14 and 2 and win the Super Bowl. Like now we're at the point where we're just talking about who is playing who in which round of the playoffs. That much, well, this much I will say though, there's a pretty compelling case that right now, and things can change, but I think right now there's large enough sample size to show. The most complete team, most balanced team in the NFL, which is not the same as the best team in the NFL, but the most balanced team in the NFL is the Buffalo Bills. If you think about the teams at the very top of the NFL's hierarchy, and we're going to use records in this case to help us decide where that hierarchy is drawn. You got the Chiefs at 14 and 1, and they're remarkable. Like at some point, it I don't care that they're winning games by less than a score. They're still 14 and 1. That's really hard to do in a league filled with parity. But The Chiefs are a team that we know their identity is almost exclusively known for their offensive prowess, right? Their defense has made some key plays, and they've helped bail out Patrick Mahomes recently in a couple of occasions. But still, 
an offensive-minded team. Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that is defensive-minded, the offense kicking out of its own way until the second half of the Colts game after a miserable three-game stretch. You go to the NFC, you got the Green Bay Packers. They're really good on offense and on defense. I don't know that anybody has a great, complete grasp of what they are on defense because they really haven't faced that many offensive juggernauts this season. You go to the Saints, and as crazy as this seems, given how Many years, they were at or near the top of basically every statistical category on offense. They're a defensive team this year. The Buffalo Bills started this year slow defensively. They were not themselves. Josh Allen carried them. They now are an offensive juggernaut and a defense that is playing at least close to where it was last year, which was the defense that carried them to the playoffs last season. This feels like the most balanced team in the NFL. So what's the weak spot? If I were to ask you right now, what's the main primary reason as to why you would bet against the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs? Would it be because simply Kansas City's 14-1, and riding a 10-game winning streak, will have the number one seed and is the better team? Or is this team one of the very few that exists without a weak spot? Because there's got to be something here, Phil. Yeah, there it, has to be yeah. a reason as to why we're not going to put them at number one in the rankings right now. Basically, every weak spot that the Bills may or may not have right now, Joe, is something that's completely out of their control. And do you recall when the Ravens upset the 49ers? Well, I don't even know if it was an upset. When the Ravens beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Do you remember yeah. that time? Oh, yeah. It feels like a long time ago, right? At least it does to me. It feels like a long time ago. That was the last time that a team played in the Super Bowl without having a first-round bye. Now, the NFL obviously reconfigured its playoffs this year as there is only one bye per conference. The Chiefs have it in the AFC, the NFC, uh, the, the Packers have the inside track, but nothing is guaranteed yet in the NFC. So, the weak spots for the Bills, the vulnerabilities are probably, if I had to make a case, would most likely be this. They're going to have to win three games no matter what which it's been a long time. As I just said, it's been eight years or seven years since a team won three games to make it to the Super Bowl. Two, even if home field advantage does not matter in the way that it has in previous years, every year up until this time, it's slightly more difficult to go on the road. I mean, in a year where everything has been strange, like having to travel, get on an airplane, be in a hotel during these COVID-19 restricting times, that is probably, you know, those are a couple of the quote-unquote weak spots for the Bills, but probably the biggest case against the Bills, Joe, is simply a foundational belief in the Chiefs, right? Like, And the Chiefs seem to be in this weird phase right now where they're so good that rather than just appreciating it, we get more hung up on the couple of things they do not do well. But that's kind of where we're at right now with the Bills. Uh, their biggest weakness may be the fact that they play in the same conference against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think it's a testament to Kansas City's greatness that despite a 10-game winning streak, every week we're looking for reasons to duck them, right? Every week it's, well, you know, they didn't really beat Atlanta by that many points. Well, they did beat Atlanta, but yet it's a problem because they're not doing it in as fancy a fashion. Right. Last year they were 12-4. and four. This year they're 14-1. and one. Last year their, their winning margin was plus 8.9. This year it's plus 8.5. It's essentially the same team, if not better, but because they're not winning in as spectacular fashion, we're looking for reasons to knock them. It's the same reason we're always looking to knock down LeBron James in the comparison to Michael Jordan. No matter what he does, it's not going to be good enough because we need to find the flaws. That's something inherently wrong with us as human beings. Right. 
I'm wondering if one of the weak spots for Buffalo heading into the playoffs is going to be the fact that they don't get the buy. And the buy is so much more valuable this year than it ever has been in the past. Kansas City and Green Bay, should the Packers get past the Bears this weekend, will be in the driver's seat. But if you're Buffalo and you see that Pittsburgh is going to be starting Mason Rudolph over Ben Roethlisberger this weekend against Cleveland, essentially waving the white flag and announcing we're getting ready for the playoffs, do you do the same thing in Buffalo with Miami on deck this weekend? That's a really fascinating dilemma. And I was talking about this specific to Andy Reid uh, before Week 16 had concluded. So this was before the Chiefs had even wrapped up AFC's home field advantage. But we presumed it would happen. And my thought was sometimes, and I don't think the best organizations are always guilty of this, but sometimes, Joe, the masses tend to just sort of follow what has happened recently. And recently, as in last year, the Ravens rested their starters in Week 17. Obviously, they did not play in the first round of the playoffs last year after having the AFC's number one seed. And the net result was a thrashing at the hands of the Titans in the divisional round of the playoffs. Now, is that just because of the rust? No. But that was a team that did look rusty in the first round of the playoffs. I think it is definitely a fascinating decision that Sean McDermott and his staff have on hand. My guess is, like, there might be a sweet spot in between. Like, can you play a half of Josh Allen? (laughs) Can you do a half of Josh Allen and then move forward from there? Because if you can play a half with Josh Allen and some of your key starters, at least you get him a little bit of work, get sort of the, the muscle memory will prevail. And then from there, you at least have a chance to rest your guys a little bit and gear towards whoever it is you're going to play in the first round, whether it's Miami again, whether it's the Cleveland Browns, whether it's the Tennessee Titans or Indianapolis Colts. A lot of different scenarios obviously up in the air right now uh, for the AFC and the NFC. That's what makes this Week 17 so fascinating. Of course, it wasn't just the Bills on the field last night. It was also the New England Patriots who are in very unfamiliar territory, swept by the Bills for the first time in a long, long time, but a team that's also sort of finding its way right now, Joe. Um, we have spent so long, two decades, two decades admiring the Patriots for their greatness, and greatness is like the understatement, right? This is unprecedented levels of success for the Patriots. Nine Super Bowls in the span of 19 seasons, six Super Bowl wins. Patriots have been the standard in professional sports. Last night looked like a team, Joe, that needs to get to the offseason. It looked like a team that was overmatched, um, outwitted, outplayed, um, not in the same, like that was not the same weight class as the Buffalo Bills last night. Not even close. No, not even close. And for New England, it's important to remember that coming into this season, they were going to be facing more obstacles than they faced in the past. The division is better than it's ever been, at least as far Mm -hmm. as their competition. They used to walk through Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets like it was nothing. Maybe 10 years ago with Rex Ryan's Jets, they'd give them a little bit of a fight. But Miami for a while has been a doormat. Buffalo for 20 years has been a doormat. Now you're dealing with two teams that are vastly improved. So that's first and foremost. Number two, people tend to forget Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Matt Lacoste, Brandon Bolden, Dan Vitale, Marquise Lee, Najee Torin. How many players opted out due to COVID? So before they even took the field this year, they're down the greatest quarterback of all time. They're facing an improved division, and they've lost a very large core of starters who are big-time contributors to this team. 
Then they take the field with Cam Newton and they try to figure things out. Ultimately, they couldn't get it going on offense. This has been a terrible offense. But all things considered, I think Belichick's done a reasonable job this year. There are several coaches in the NFL that you could take and put them in this situation that would not have gotten these results. I'm not saying it's a great year for the hoodie, but it's been a decent year all things considered. I certainly wouldn't stick the fork in these guys right now, Field. For more perspective on the Patriots, and it's Greeny on ESPN Radio, Field Yates and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out in place of Greeny for the next couple of hours here. For more perspective on the Patriots, head out to the Shell Penzoil Performance Line. And joining us now is ESPN's Patriots reporter, Mike Reese. He is incomparable in his coverage of the Patriots. Mike, we appreciate you making time for us. And you're watching that game last night, Mike, and you've watched all 15 to date so far this season. It felt, though, to me, the first time where the Patriots really looked like they just didn't have the same, I just used the term, they were not in the same weight class as their opponent last night. It feels like all the things that they've gone through this year, Mike, kind of finally caught up to them last night. They were simply overmanned. I think that's well said, Field and Joe. You go back to that game, and it's 10-9 midway through the second quarter, and really it, it, it's going in either direction, right? And then all of a sudden the Bills convert a fourth down, uh, you know, they scored a touchdown, three and out for the Patriots. Bill scored another touchdown. Go into halftime. They come out of halftime, score another touchdown. Next thing you know, you're like, what happened to that 10-9 game? Like it was, and that's how fast it can, it can turn when you're playing an explosive team and you're not as explosive. And their margin for error just so much thinner, the Patriots, this year than it's been in the past. Mike, one of the big questions for New England this offseason is going to be the quarterback position. It's very early, obviously, but how do you see them attacking it? Is there a trade to be made, or do you think they go through the draft? Well, Joe, the Patriots are in good position, first from a salary cap standpoint. They're among the teams in the league with the most cap space. Uh, they have good number of draft picks. They should have, um, you know, about eight, nine draft picks. Um, you know, six of them in the first four rounds. So start there, just from the bigger picture standpoint. Like they're going to have some maneuverability. I look at it this way. You know, they're they're probably going to look draft because that's always the the way cost efficiency is is a good way to go if you can find the right guy. But if not, maybe there's someone out there in the free agent market or a trade possibility, because there's going to be a lot of moving parts at that position, you'd think, this year across the NFL. And one I would keep an eye on is just Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. If he comes available, remember, he was here initially uh, viewed by some as a succession plan, so that would be one I would keep an eye on. You know, Mike, it's been a long year for Cam Newton. He's talked about the sacrifices he has made, not just to get himself back in a position to play, but during this year where he's been away from his family for the past few months. Um, Last night seemed to me like a different version of Cam Newton. Seemed like the arm just wasn't where he wanted it or needed it to be. Um, I'm not even saying specific to New England, but sort of how do you envision the future for Cam Newton in the NFL? Well, they've loved Cam here in New England. Start with that. And everything about his approach and the way he's sort of, a you know, indoctrinated himself into their culture like they've had a great experience with him and there's that part of it and then there's the football player part of it where you know he's shown some decline uh, clearly this year and I do still believe there's a place for him in the NFL it might not be as a starter 
But certainly, to me, if I'm a, a team and he's willing, Cam, to be a guy as part of a bigger picture quarterback room, like he'd be a guy I'd love to turn to if my number one option wasn't available. I think it will be up to Cam whether that's the type of situation he would be amenable to going into. Mike, what are you expecting this weekend against the New York Jets, who are suddenly red hot with the Patriots eliminated from the playoffs? This game might be a lot tighter than we envisioned just a few weeks ago. I, I think that's fair, especially when considering, Joe, you know, that the, the game they played you know, um, about two months ago in Monday Night Football was a close game as well. Jets seem to be heading in a, a better direction right now than the Patriots are, and the Patriots are banged up. They had quite a few guys injured last night uh, in that game. So I think win or loss, the key for the Patriots will be just, just to keep the guys that they are factoring into their future mix out of harm's way, right? You don't want to see a very serious injury in a game like that that doesn't have major implications um, you know, for playoffs or anything like that. So I think, to me, that's almost the, the, the bigger focus for the Patriots than a win or a loss. Mike, we'll get you out on this. The quarterback decision will drive the analysis of the Patriots this offseason. But what is the either singular or couple of most important areas of the roster the team needs to address? Because... As we know, it still is the ultimate team game. I think it's a great question, Field, because I think while the quarterback position will always drive the discussion, you could make a case that you could have put any quarterback on this team this year, including the great one who departed after 20 years and is now down in Tampa, and you might not have had a great chance of success because tight end remains a big black hole in their offense since Gronk has left, and at receiver. They're so limited. I will just leave you with this. I, to me, of all the things that I saw this season from the Patriots, one that stood out was the Arizona Cardinals coming in to the home stadium of the Patriots and playing a goal-line defense in the middle of the field consistently against two wide receiver personnel. And to me, that spoke volumes about how uh, the opposition views what you have at receiver and tight end in the passing game. Nothing to be feared. Mike Reese, the great Patriots reporter here for ESPN. Always appreciate you making time, Mike. Enjoy the rest of the regular season. Just one game left. Very unfamiliar territory for not just the Patriots, but those that cover them year in and year out. Thanks, Field. Thanks, Joe. Always love having Mike Reese on. If you don't follow his coverage, you are missing out. Coming up next here on Greeny. You know, the Bills are red hot. The Steelers, they've kind of stumbled down the stretch during the regular season. But the real question is, does it matter? Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement... Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash 
Gift Finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80 simulcast on ESPN+. Plus. Love that cut coming back into the show. It's Field Yates and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out in place of Greeny. And ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. So, Joe, we're now just days away from the start of the NFL's postseason. And as an aside, like it's sort of a miracle we've made it here, right? We've made it 16 weeks, and every single game that was scheduled to be played has now been played, which the NFL obviously will not rest until the season is entirely over, but a great effort by the entire constituency of the NFL players and coaches and staffers and medical experts and league administrators to help us get this far. But we are very close to the playoffs. And I can't help but think back to last year. And last year, the Ravens, after a 2-2 two and two start, got hot like few teams have ever gotten hot. They steamrolled the NFL. Lamar Jackson became just the second unanimous MVP in league history. He was simply remarkable. They looked like a shoo-in. Maybe not for the Super Bowl, but at least to make the AFC Championship game. And then they lost in their first game of the postseason, 28-12 to the Tennessee Titans. And it was one of those games that didn't even feel that close. So here we are talking about all these teams and how they're playing right now in December assessments. My question to you is, does any of it actually matter? I don't think so. I really don't. And if it does, it matters very far down on the list of things that are important at this time of year. The problem for the Ravens last year was something that wasn't exposed at all throughout the course of the season. They are not built to play from behind. Mm -hmm. It's the same problem they have this year. It's the same problem Tennessee has. Run-heavy attacks that are the focal point of the offense. And when you are able to grind the clock, when you are able to control tempo, when you are able to move the sticks at will, while resting a very good defense on the sidelines, you are putting yourself in an excellent position to win football games. However... Much like we saw with Tennessee at Green Bay, much like we saw with Baltimore in the playoffs last year against that same Tennessee team, when you fall down, you then have to turn to the passing attack, especially in the second half. And if you can't get the passing game going with any sort of consistency, you are going to fail. And that's what's happened to the Ravens in their tight spots. We've seen it throughout the course of the season when they fell behind earlier in the year to Pittsburgh and to Kansas City. They weren't able to come back. Ultimately, I don't think how you're playing in December means all that much for how you're going to perform in the playoffs. Just because something happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen again in the future. When that same Ravens team won the Super Bowl in 2012, they went into the playoffs having lost four of five. A couple years ago when the Rams went to the Super Bowl, they went two and two over their final four. And the year the Giants knocked off the Patriots in 2011, the second time, that Super Bowl that was in Indianapolis, New York lost five of its final eight games. So ultimately, it comes down to what does your team need most? And I think if you're Mike Tomlin in the Steelers field, you've identified the fact that you need rest. You need to get healthy. And that's why they're going to be sitting, guys, this weekend against Cleveland because that is the most valuable thing to that specific franchise at this specific point in time. And for those that may have missed it, Mike Tomlin, about 30 minutes before we came on the show, maybe even an hour before the show, announced that the Steelers will start Mason Rudolph 
in Week 17 against the Cleveland Browns. And while he did not specify others, he said there might be a player or two who also sits besides Ben Roethlisberger. So the irony of this is that we're talking about whether teams playing really well or not playing well matters going into the postseason. And yet the Chiefs are on a 10-game winning streak, and we're talking about them not playing that well. They are the first team in NFL history to win, I believe, it's six straight games by one score or less. Might be seven straight games. But the point is, the past month and a half have not been breezing through the schedule. It has been a lot of grinded-out efforts. They had a game at home against the Panthers in which they had a field goal attempt by Joey Sly of the Panthers to win the game. As time expired, he missed. It was like a 55-yarder. It was a long kick, but still. There have been opportunities for others to pull the upset, like only one team has been able to do, the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. Wow, that's a foul on me. Dollar um, in the jar. Yep, there it is. Dollar in the jar. 40-32 uh, to 32 earlier this season. So, on the, there's like two very, it's almost like glass half full versus half empty perspectives here. The Chiefs are 14-1, and one, and I think even without some of their key starters in Week 17, we'll probably go 15-1, and one, Joe. It, are you nervous about the Chiefs? And if so, there's sort of Two follow-ups that, A, how nervous, and B, what is it that makes you nervous about the Kansas City Chiefs? No, there's nothing nothing at all. I, I, I think that the negative they're getting hit with, which is the fact that they are winning tight rather than blowing people out, is actually a positive, believe it or not. That's what the great teams do. They find ways to win games. Every single week, Kansas City is, quote, not impressing in the eyes of so many people, and yet they find ways to beat the Dolphins. They find ways to beat the Falcons. There are teams out there that don't do that, right? Like you go ahead and you look at a team like Arizona. They seemingly find ways to lose close games on a regular basis. That's what's going to need to change in Arizona for the Cardinals to get over the hump. But Kansas City, that's a hallmark of a great team. That when, And let's face it, the bullseye's on their back every single week. But when the going gets tough, when the chips are down, you find a way to pull the game out, and that's what they do. I think they know exactly what they're doing. They have a very... Golden State Warriors end of dynasty feel to them where they know it's about the postseason. They know what they need to do to win. I'm not going to say I'm not going to go so far as to say they might be bored right now. But when the level of competition rises and the chip stack in the center of the table gets higher and the bright lights get a little bit brighter field. I think that's where we're going to see them at their absolute best because they haven't shown me any reason to believe that they can't do exactly what they did last season. The word that I was thinking of actually was boredom at some point. Right. But here's the crazy part, Joe. That they might have, I don't know, less than laser sharp focus at moments this season, and they're still fourteen and one. Like right. that's the sickening part of this is that like they have not played their best, and yet they are the only team going into week seventeen that's in the playoffs that has zero consequence of their final outcome. It doesn't matter if they win by a thousand, lose by a thousand, tie, nothing matters. They are the number one seed in the AFC, and that cannot change. Now If you're going to ask me, what is it about the Chiefs that I am most concerned about? There's not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. But I will just try to point out what, if I were a different team, I would be sort of banking on as potential areas of vulnerability. Many know this, but the Chiefs have been without their two starting offensive tackles for quite some time now, both due to injuries. They have had a sort of a shuffled deck of offensive linemen this year with Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz both banged up. I think the best example of making Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable was the Saints game, 
They ended up winning that game, but some will recall, like, there were some pretty impressive moments there from the Saints' front seven to make life difficult on Patrick Mahomes. And then on defense is that, like, they had championship moments last year. Obviously, they were a championship defense, but you know, I, I don't think they are, I don't know, if I had to stack their defense up against the totality of the 14-team playoff field, I don't know that they're number one. I don't think they're, they might be like six or seven. Like they might have like a middle of the pack defense amongst the 14 teams that are playing in the postseason. And before Chiefs fans get really mad about that, it's also worth noting that like the 14 teams are the best teams in the NFL. So like not having one of the three to four best defenses amongst the playoff teams is not some like affront against the the Chiefs, right? Like they're still really good. I'm not that nervous about them. I'm not concerned about uh, the quote-unquote, slow finish, which involved 10 straight wins for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is going to be a light switch moment, though. Like, if you had to right now, and amongst your many responsibilities at ESPN, as you're one of our prominent betting voices here, if I gave you the field or the Chiefs for the playoffs, who are you taking? From an odds perspective, I'm going to go ahead and take the field in that situation. Okay. Now, if you told me to rank the teams 1 through 10, 1 through 16... Kansas City goes number one. But if I get the entire field, one injury to Mahomes can disrupt everything, which is why I would take the field. My only concern with Kansas City, it's not even that grave of a concern, but their offense a lot of times is their best defense. Mm. Getting those leads, forcing the opposition to play from two scores down, creates an advantageous situation for the Kansas City defense because they know the pass is coming. They can eliminate half of what they have to think about, which is stopping the run, because of the opposition throwing the ball on a consistent basis to catch up. The more they leave teams in these games, the more they're going to have to depend on their defense to get some stops. Yeah, I feel like we're like we're looking for warts on like, you know, Miss America pageant contests right, right now, right? This is the best yeah. of the best. I think they're the clearly the best team in the NFL. I think that there are some teams that can make life difficult on them, but Chiefs fans, Chiefs in general, I am not worried about you guys. You know, on the other end of the playoff spectrum is a team that's fighting to make it in, the Washington football team. They made a major move at quarterback yesterday involved releasing Dwayne Haskins, their first-round pick of 2019. So what's next for, again, the 15th overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft? We'll tell you right here next on Greeny with Field Yates and Joe Fortenbaugh on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
Quarterback Dwayne Haskins' Washington tenure is over. ESPN's Adam Schefter and Kimberly Martin reporting. Dwayne Haskins' career in Washington already over after less than two years. This was almost like the final straw. My question is what took you so long? He twice was caught breaking COVID-19 protocols. Is that you have to be really good in order to be somebody's headache. And Dwayne Haskins just isn't good enough to be any franchise's headache. Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and simulcast on ESPN+. Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And when I say we, I mean Field Yates and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out here in place of Greeny until, uh, for the rest of the afternoon. And uh, time now for What's on Your Mind, which is brought to you by My Computer Career, Training for a Better Life. And today what's on our mind, Joe, at least on my mind, is Dwayne Haskins. You just heard all the cuts from all those reacting to him being cut. So I'll start with you and your reaction. When you saw the news yesterday that Dwayne Haskins had been cut, cut by the Washington football team, what first came to mind for you? There's obviously some surprise, but once you let it settle in for a moment or so, you realize this makes perfect sense. Ron Rivera is in control there. Ron Rivera is leading that team, and Ron Rivera is trying to get into the playoffs. And when you have dozens of individuals who are sacrificing their bodies, their minds, their free time. And you have one guy, one guy who in the middle of a playoff hunt is going to make such a selfish decision as to compromise everything that everyone else is working for. You have no choice. You have to remove that problem from the equation if you want to move forward. Otherwise, you have a distraction on your hands and you have a question many individuals are going to be faced with every single day. Right, Whether it's the Zoom call or whether we're living in a post-COVID era and the reporters are in the locker room with you, every day, what do you think about Dwayne? What do you think about Dwayne? Dwayne's starting. Dwayne's not starting. You need to focus on the task at hand, and that's beating the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. And then you're back in the playoffs. For an organization that has been such a laughingstock field for such a long time, this is a big opportunity here. And if Haskins felt like he couldn't make the sacrifices that everyone else was making, Haskins had to go. It's as simple as that. Washington has to pay the money one way or another unless Haskins gets picked up off waivers today, which likely isn't going to happen. Go ahead and move on. Put your team in a position where they can focus on the task at hand. It's a statement in a lot of ways, and I agree with basically everything you just said there, Joe. He becomes, by the way, the first quarterback taken in the first round in the common draft era to be cut prior to the end of his second season. Prior to the end of the second season. We've seen others, Brandon Whedon, Johnny Manziel, guys like that. But to be cut less than two full years into your career speaks volumes about this. But I want to think I think ahead now for 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 Dwayne Haskins. And you know, as I was I was on the on the air throughout the day yesterday when when Dwayne Haskins was cut. So I had a lot of time to get into this. And I think a lot of my initial reaction was what a letdown. <clears throat> what a a wasted opportunity for Dwayne Haskins. And that this was sort of coming to him, right? I mean, we the actions have been inexcusable, whether it was the, you know, being maskless at a strip club after a loss, no less, just, what, 10 days ago, amongst other decisions he has made, the selfie on the field, a guy who has not held up his end of the bargain as a teammate. And then I started thinking about this, Joe, is that I don't, I, I don't, I do not believe he'll get claimed on waivers today. He was 15th. He was drafted 15th overall. In 2019, I'm not saying every team would have taken him there. As a matter of fact, maybe not many teams would have taken him there. But it's not like the consensus on Dwayne Haskins was that, hey, if he slides to 45, 
you know, we'll take him there. I think most teams would have been prepared to take Dwayne Haskins if he was available at the top of the second round, right? He's that kind of talent at Ohio State. At what point do we start to reinvest in the person? And I was thinking about this. It's not at all the same thing as Josh Allen because Josh Allen, by all accounts, as he's been in Buffalo, has been the teammate that you'd, 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 you'd crave, right? The consummate teammate. But when Josh Allen came into the NFL, he was imperfect as a player, under 59% completion percentage in each of his first two seasons. The Bills invested, they invested, they invested some more. And I think it was clear that Washington had to move on. Ron Rivera made that very clear. But is it crazy of me to think that a change of scenery and a change of attitude by Dwayne, like maybe his career is not for lost. And that was my first reaction yesterday is that like, Maybe he's done in the NFL. Maybe Dwayne Haskins is no more in the NFL. But I think more and more about it. Do we need to, in sports, maybe start to hone in a little bit more on the reclamation project, on making good on these players that two years ago were regarded as a top 15 overall selection in the draft? Yes, but the player has to show he's willing to make some sacrifice as well. That's Mm -hmm. the key. The biggest problem, people tend to overthink so much nowadays. Haskins' situation can be solved relatively easily. And I know there's people driving around thinking this is this this ought to be good. It's not a difficult problem to solve. Haskins is selfish. He's self-centered. He cares about himself. That's it. That's all he cares about. So you need to find a way to demonstrate to the other 31 teams in the NFL that you understand you're selfish and you're willing to change. And you take your time because you're going to have a lot of free time now. And you take your money, still have a lot of that, and you start giving back. You start getting out in the community. You start helping people demonstrate that you understand the gravity of your situation, demonstrate you understand why you are where you are, and show people that you identify that, you understand that, and you are working to correct that. And the moment field that you start doing that is when other teams are going to perk up and say, you know what, maybe this kid's learned his lesson, he's young after all, maybe he's worth a second chance. Well, I certainly would love to see him get a second chance, and I'd like to see any player who falls short of expectations Get a second chance. But I'm just wondering if we came down too hard on Dwayne Haskins too soon. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.